104 Points Online. We are honored that you're joining us today. And if God is using this ministry to change your life, please let us know at fourpoints.org slash my story. It's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. And if you would like to give and be a part of what God is doing, then visit fourpoints.org and select the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and choose to get there as well. We are so excited to hear a powerful message from God's Word today. I am ready for this one. I'm just going to tell y'all, I, I preached a tiny portion of this, and it wasn't really preached. I yelled a lot and got excited at our night of worship. And so if you are on a night of worship, this, this will sound somewhat familiar, but there's going to be more teaching today. And I'm really excited because I've been ready to teach this since our night of worship. But today will be a little bit more breaking it down. Okay, nobody's with me. So, so I'm excited. But before we jump in, if you missed last week or even if you were here but you didn't get it, I want everyone to have an opportunity to get a booklet about the promise. Um, it's exciting. It's got all the information in it. One thing, there's been a couple questions, so I just want to tell you, March the 8th is when our quote-unquote down payment is due. The reason I say quote-unquote is because I just have a feeling God's going to do something crazy. Amen. Three amens, praise the Lord. And then if you didn't get um, the dirt, the point of this is not, this is not magical dirt. It is dirt from the land down the road. But if you put it on something, it's not going to make your tomatoes grow better. <laughs> you can try if you want to, it'd be crazy, but whatever y'all want to do. But if you weren't here last week, I want y'all to be able to get some. There's some, both of these, you can get them at the next steps desk on the way out the door. And then the last thing I'm going to say about it today is here's what we want you to do. I, we don't have commitment cards. We don't have, I, I just really feel free to tell you what I'm about to say. I feel free to say, this is, we're asking you to do exactly what God says to do and just yield to him and to remember this one thing. And if you're going to take one thing away about the promise, I, I, it's got to be this. He, Jesus is our promise, not a piece of land, not a future building, because I'm just going to tell y'all something. If you build it, they will come it only works in the field of dreams. We got Jesus. Yes, we do. We got Jesus. How about you? So we're excited. We're pumped. And I did want to share that with y'all from my heart. But today is the third part of hashtag we are that church. And it is we do life together. We are real people who grow and pick each other up. We grow together. We grow with each other. We do not grow separated, but we grow together and we pick each other up. And here's what I'm pumped about in this series is each week they don't build off of each other necessarily, but we're going through the four things that we are. But it also directly affects, and I, today, I just want to say it this way. Today is so important because this is what I believe the future of our church is going to shift by this. And really this week and next week go together. And I'm going to use some of this today's passage next week. But it is really cool and catchy, y'all get this, to say we do life together, we, you don't do life alone, blah, 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 blah. Like it's catchy and it sounds good, but I just want y'all to know this. The automatic thing that we go to as soon as life gets difficult is isolation. Are y'all with me? Isolation. We like, 
We like to separate ourselves because we get paranoid and we start thinking they're trying to take something from me or, or they're going to think bad about me like I started the thing with. If they find out what I'm really like, then I... And, so, and then this is what we do, and, and this will make sense in just a minute, but this is what we do. Then we begin to justify ourselves to ourselves by... And, and it's really just lying, if we can just call a spade a spade. And so when we gather with people, we start trying to outdo and have a bigger fish. Are y'all okay so far? Yes. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all don't have to talk to me, but you know what I'm talking Like, Like, it, it's so amazing that we can't be honest with each other. And by the way, if you were here last week, that's why we can't say yes. Because Jesus is uncomfortable, and people that are walking with God are uncomfortable, not because they're perfect, but because they'll be honest and this age that we live in is the anti-honest age. Because political correctness is bullcrap, y'all. I'm just going to call it what it is. Because this is what you're supposed to do in political correctness. They're asking you to lie. Yes. I'm not for that. <laughs> because I'm just telling y'all this. Um, Hasten and I were uh, in the room last night, and I've got this Starburst gum. If y'all have never tried it, for real. Let me just, I'm giving y'all all of me right now. Starburst strawberry gum is life-changing because <laughs> it's got zero calories, but it's got all Starbursts in it. Come on, somebody. So Haston sees my gum. He's like, Daddy, I want a piece of gum. And I was like, well, let me uh, look over to Leah <laughs> for a second. And Leah's like, he can have half a piece because it's too big and he'll swallow it and whatever. And I was like, all right. So I said, take a half a piece. And he takes the piece of gum out, and, and then I just see the wrapper, Right? <laughs> So I look at him like, hey, man, did you get that half a piece? Yes, sir. Huh. Where's the other half? <laughs> and in that moment, you could feel, I didn't think this one through. Right? <laughs> I didn't think this one through. So I was like, and you could see on his face, he's like, daddy's about to beat my honey. And I was like, nope. Please go spit your gum out. He comes back, and I said, look, man, I'm not mad, but you got to learn, so we're not going to chew gum tonight. And then this is what I told him, and this is what I'm telling y'all. The truth is always the right thing. Amen. The truth is always right. Always. Because I had made a decision if he had told me the truth, I was going to let him keep his gum. I was going to tell him, please don't do that again, but you get to keep your gum because you told me the truth. And in that moment, his punishment was not bad. Some of y'all think, well, you're a horrible dad. Well, I had, a, I had a chance to teach him why the truth is so important. And we sat and talked about it, and I was very calm and just chilling in my, in my chair and hanging out. And, but, but this is the deal, y'all. It's cool and funny to talk about a five-year-old, but why do we feel the need to embellish the truth to make people believe that we got it together? I'm just telling you that's why the church is not appealing today because we've decided to live by a standard that God did not set for us. God set his standard for us and we live by their standard. And until we decide to say yes to him, we will constantly live in a roller coaster hoping that we can meet the mark when God already met the mark on the cross Amen. through Jesus. So the reason we don't want to do life together it's because we make each other uncomfortable. And being honest is an, is, is an uncomfortable thing. 
And so this is something that I've been practicing, and then I've got to jump in my message, but this is something I've been practicing is I've just been trying to be aware or cognizant, thinking through, did I just tell the whole truth? Because I'm going to tell y'all something as we keep going. Yes is what we're going to be about this year, and that was not my idea. We're going to put our yes on the table and do what God tells us to do. Now, listen to me carefully because this is a little bit harsh. If you'll tell most of the truth, you are just like the devil. Amen. Can I say that again so it can sink in? If you'll tell some or even most of the truth, we are just like the enemy. Because the father of lies does not bring you all lies. He brings you a lot of truth and sprinkles in the lie. That is the danger of the false gospel, by the way, is people take what the Bible says and then they twist it to fit their belief system. But I want to be about what God says, not what everybody else needs me to be about. So if people think we're crazy, that's cool. Because people have thought people were crazy forever in the religious world that actually walk with God. But I'm just telling y'all, that's the elephant in the room. Of all the elephants in the room, that's the real one. It's the truth. Because I just think about movies growing up. I'm going to use another movie thing in a little while. But like, I just think about movies growing up and, and a few good men. You can't handle the truth, right? Some of y'all remember Jack. Some of y'all don't. It's all good. He had that raspy voice. Young people, just go watch it. It's a great movie. If you got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. This all will tie together somewhat, and some of it won't, but hashtag ADD. So, here we go. Luke chapter 10. This is the story of the Good Samaritan, and almost all of you that have been in church are going to be familiar with this story, but we're going to tackle it a little bit differently than maybe you've seen it before. I have a lot of fun things to teach, and this is where I get excited. I love to do this as much as anything is just get nerd about what the Bible means and what it says and stuff like that, but there's a particular point that we're trying to get to today. And so some of this information is to build and help us understand the one thing I believe we're supposed to take away. So Luke 10, starting in verse 25 says, Behold a lawyer. <clears throat> I'm not mad at lawyers. We need them. But this is not in my notes, but I know I got to say it. How many of y'all love them all nines? <laughs> now there's all twos. So I'm putting in, I told Austin this week, we're going to put in for all fours. If you need four points, need a little Jesus, dial all fours. All right, here we go. That ain't got nothing to do with the message. Just keep rolling with me. Thank you, Jesus, for the ADD. All right, hashtag it's a gift. All right, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. Now, immediately we understand that no matter how good or bad a lawyer is, he's argumentative, he knows how to debate, he knows how to present a case, and so this makes sense, right, that, that this guy would come to put Jesus to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He really didn't want to know. He just wanted to see what Jesus had to say so he could debate it. And he said to him, it's what's written in the law. How do you read it? And so the lawyer answered him, love the Lord your God. He told him the first and second commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. Easy enough. Except, can we be honest? That's not even humanly possible to meet all the time. Are y'all with me? Like I said, it, it's impossible to do this all the time. We will, at some point, you fail to meet this mark. So, so this is the deal. 
This shows so much of the human nature and what I just talked about with truth, and it's sort of why I let off with it, is we're that lawyer because he desired to justify himself. That's when you know you're wrong. Let me just tell y'all something. If you feel the need in your heart to justify your actions, you're wrong. If you feel the need to explain yourself, you're not convinced, but you're trying to convince me or I'm trying to convince you. You cannot stand convinced if you're not convinced. Are y'all with me so far? Three of you are with me, praise the Lord. But we're this. We tell society, we believe in Jesus. Woo! Who's my neighbor? Which is it's such a funny question because he knew the answer. He just still wanted to see if he could stump Jesus. So he said, who's my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going, and so you got to love Jesus now. Because Jesus didn't say that, catch your neighbor, just go on. He said, a certain man was going down from the road to Jerusalem, and you just feel it, right? But, but it says he was going down from Jericho to Jerusalem. Now, I need you to capture that because I'm about to show you some pictures that are really cool. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and departed, having, leaving him half dead is what it says. So, so the road from Jerusalem to Jericho today, we just took that road a couple weeks ago when Lee and I were in Israel. It's 13, 14, 15-ish miles. Uh, and, and it's a nice road today. It's a mountain over from where they used to be, and they just did dynamite, and they made it really nice, and it's low in the valley. But here's some things to know is Jerusalem's the lowest city on earth. Nearly 1,000, I think it's a little over 1,000 feet below sea level. So, so 15 miles away, in Jerusalem, that's over 3,000 feet above sea level, and then there's mountains on top of that. It can be chilly, but down in Jericho, it can be warm. And, and, and the terrain from these two parts, now, again, today, it's just, you're going uphill, obviously, but, but it's a road. It's all good. But when they say he was on this road or, or traveling this way, I need y'all to remember that that road didn't exist and it was one mountain over and this was not fun terrain. Nobody wanted to take this track. People would avoid going on this road if at all possible because this was the road. Can you see this? This is, the, this is literally called the Wadi Kelt. Everybody say Wadi Kelt. A Wadi is a dried up riverbed and at the bottom of it, is, is called a valley or, or, or a wadi kelt in this particular case. And that is what the Bible calls the valley of the shadow of death. In Psalm 23, this is literally the place, not maybe, not, not, this is the place. And so this is the Jericho Road, and you can see the little tiny little highlight of the Jericho Road, and that's the valley of the shadow of death. And so literally when he was talking about you're going to walk down this road, he was saying he was walking on the valley of the shadow of death. Now, I'm going to go quick, but this is a little sidebar. Let me show you the next one because it's cool. This is what, it's a picture. I don't think this is actually a picture. It's a drawing of what they think it probably looked like back in the day. There's not civilization around here. Are y'all with me? Like, it's, it's desolate. But most of the time when we hear the valley of the shadow of death, a couple things come to our mind. One is a funeral, because almost always we hear the, the 23rd Psalm and, and, and people are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And then the other one is Coolio. Yeah. <laughs> 
As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize. We got some old people in the room now. You can tell. But the reality is this, is, this was really a place, and when Jesus is telling this story, the lawyer and the people around them didn't think what we think. Oh, it's this nice road that they're on, and it's just chilling, and there's these weird people that came out with guns stopping cars, shooting them up. Like, they may have had a donkey or a camel. Probably, most likely, this, this person was on his, his feet, and it would have taken a while to get to Jericho from Jerusalem. Even though it's downhill, it's miserable. And it was terrible terrain, y'all. Nobody wanted to go on this track. And so it says, now by chance there was a priest. Now by chance a priest was going down the road and when he saw him, he passed him on the other side. And I don't need to get really spiritual on this part because y'all know what a priest is. It, I'm a pastor, so I'm not a Hebrew priest, but in the role, it's very similar. And then, by the way, the Levite was the people that were working at the temple or would be working at the church. These were religious leaders. It says, and so just like it, or likewise, a Levite came to the place and saw him and passed on the other side. Now, I got to hit this quick and I'm going to keep rolling. When religion becomes what we're about, we get so busy doing religious things that we don't see what God wants us to see. Amen. When religion becomes what we're about, we get so busy doing God's work that we don't do life together. And we don't sit with God and listen to him and hang out and love people. We get busy. And I guarantee you if we could talk to the person or the persons in this story, they would have justified their actions based on, well, I'm just doing what I felt like God was supposed to, and I had this meeting and I had to get there and I had to do this and they missed it. But a Samaritan, everybody say Samaritan. Samaritan. Quickly, you need to get this. A Samaritan was worse than race relations today with the Jews in this country. There's not any race relations that can come close to matching this. Here's why. Samaritans were not black and white. Samaritans were not that way. Samaritans were, quote-unquote, half-breeds. They were so much lesser because it was someone from outside of Judaism that had, that had mated or procreated with a Jew, and then they became their own tribe, and they were despised. They were reject, outcast, gross. Nobody talked to them. People would travel around the entire country to not go to Samaria. So you would never expect a Samaritan to come. Now, y'all got to get this part. Jesus was born of Mary, who was a Jew. His earthly father was Joseph, but Joseph was not his actual daddy. His actual daddy was the Holy Spirit who impregnated Mary, so he was only half Jewish. So I'm here to tell you today that this guy is Jesus. And when we aim to be him, we've missed the point because we want to follow him and do what he says. We're not the good Samaritan, everybody. Because this is Jesus in this story. Now, I promise you the lawyer in this moment is going, you are crazy because ain't no Samaritan stopping nowhere. 
but his own people did not receive him. His own people treated him just like he was a Samaritan. And it says, as he journeyed, they came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. That describes our Lord. He came to this earth full of compassion. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to look at us and find us and heal our broken hearts and bind up our wounds. And look what happens. He went to him and bound up his wounds and poured oil and wine on him. Oil is always a picture. It's always a picture. It doesn't always have to mean this, but it's, it's a picture of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Wine is the outpouring of the blood of Christ in our lives. What happens when he pours oil on me? Back to the 23rd Psalm, all right? We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. His rod and his staff comfort us. He prepares the table before us. And then he anoints our head with oil and our cup overflows. What happens to a sheep when the oil gets poured over is their wounds get healed and it starts repelling the enemy away. It starts repelling bugs and junk all around us. But whenever we try to be our own repellent and protect ourselves and make sure we've got it all together, we try to be the Samaritan. We try to be good enough, just like I talked about when we first started, we try to meet the mark and be good enough and we feel the pressure of priest or Levite and I got to be good and we forget that he's the one that's good. The point of today is not you be the Samaritan. The point of today is what Jesus did after this, pouring wounds on them. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to and what does it say? Yeah. Everybody say it loud. Yeah. And took care of him. Now this is the point. All of that builds up to this. An inn, and if you can remember back what those pictures look like, it makes so much more sense to me. Because when we hear that there was no room in the inn, Bethlehem was not humongous, but it wasn't tiny. And there were homes. But on the road to Jericho or the valley of the shadow of death, there wasn't anything. It's like when you take that road trip and you are just, you got to pee so bad. Come on. you just like, if I could just get an exit. I'm talking about, I don't even need a bathroom at this point. Just give me an exit so I can get off and not die, right? That's what it would feel like. Because there's nothing, it is desolate, there's nothing. But Jewish people are so communal. They're such communal beings. Today, they do life together. It, it, it's really awkward for us to understand because we don't open our homes up like we get to witness in Israel. I mean, like, they're almost offended when they meet you if you won't ha come have a drink and a meal with them because they just feel like we are made to do life together. Well, here's what's sad is they don't have Jesus, so they're lost, but they got this part right and we don't. Because you were made communal. You were made to do life with each other. You are not made to be isolated. No matter if you're an introvert, extrovert, this has nothing to do with that. You are made to do it together. And when you decide, this is not about marriage, by the way. That's certainly wonderful. And we're going to start a, a series in a couple weeks about relationships and sex and a bunch of other stuff. It's going to be awesome, but it's not that today. This is each other. This is me and you. This is us doing life together. And the point is to become an inn. Because here's what those inn's purposes were. It's not the Motel 6, everybody. 
so they can take up money even though they left the light on for them. That's, that part's good, but the rest of it, they, 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 the goal was not money. The goal was a safe place if you were in danger or if you were traveling a long way. If you needed help, if you needed a place of hope, you could stop and find an inn. Most of the time, these inns were in places where there were bins, where it was very dark corners. I'm going to preach for a minute right now. Your neighborhood is a dark corner in this world. And I don't care if you think that half of your neighborhood is saved. The other half needs Jesus. Every school, every workplace, every place that our foot travels. Do you remember the promise? Every place that we go, God has promised because he's the Samaritan. He's the promise. He's the one that paid the way. But he made you, watch this, he made you. I'm talking about your person, who you are. As, as, as an empty vessel is what the Bible says, but it's just a shell that he puts himself into. Mark Pangle is not a magician. I'm not great. But when the Spirit of God comes inside of me, things begin to shift. And I can be a lighthouse or an inn. What happens in the end? Thank you for asking. And, and he took care of him. And, and the next day he took the two denarii, which was a lot of money, y'all. This was not five bucks. This was days and days, and it was actually weeks' wages. And gave the innkeeper and said, take care of him. Can I tell y'all something? Mm, I'm going to preach something right now. Do you, who gave the money? The Say it again. The so that means, let me try to get this straight with myself, because maybe y'all won't get it, but I'm going to get it. That means that he provides for my needs if I'll just do what he says and say yes, right? Isn't that what that says? It doesn't say that I'll have a house on the hill, but it says I can be an inn and that he'll provide my daily needs if I'll do what he's called me to do. He provided what the innkeeper needed to take care of the person that was in distress. I don't have to magically come up with money. I just have to say, yes, God, you say it and I'll do it. Because so many of us think, well, if that $1 million guy, if that, if that billionaire would come in, what would happen if so-and-so would get saved? Here's what God wants. God does not need a billionaire or a trillionaire. If there, I don't even think there are any, but there will be someday. He doesn't need any of those things. Listen to me. He wants empty people to become the in and do life with people and begin to show them Jesus. My life's hard sometimes, but we walk together in my home. And we look at the one that's capable of healing wounds. Mark Pangle is never going to heal you. Y'all, I'm just telling you, if you put your hope in me, I hear this all the time. I have to get this out. I hear this all the time. I would come to church, but the church is full of hypocrites. And I tell everybody that tells me that, you right. And I'm the first one. Let me say that again. You are correct, sir or ma'am, and I, your pastor is the very lead hypocrite. Like sometimes I find myself complaining about people that are Pharisees and they're overly religious. And then I read a quote from an old theologian that said, if Pharisees bother you to the point that you complain about them, you're the first Pharisee. I was like, dadgummit. 
I rebuke that in Jesus' name. <laughs> but how true is it, y'all? When I get so pious in my heart that I start pointing out how we're doing it right and they're doing it wrong, I forgot <laughs> that somebody came and did it right, and he doesn't need me to be the Samaritan. He needs me to follow the Samaritan, open my heart up, and become an in to take care of his sheep. Y'all, when Peter got called back after he denied Jesus, he did not say, hey, man, now you got to stand up. You got to be awesome. He said, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Follow me. Take care of them. Are y'all with me so far? Because I promise this has to do with you. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. My gosh, I could preach a sermon right there. Because I'm going to tell y'all something right now, and this has nothing to do with anything about this house. This has everything to do with my heart. The reason that I'm not open-handed, because these tie together, the reason that I'm not open-handed, that I don't love like crazy next week, is because I think that the requirement falls on me. The reason I don't say yes and I have to bend the truth is I believe the requirements fall on me, but you are not the answer. You are a means to the answer. That is it. That is all it will ever be. And isn't anybody in here thankful that you don't have to be the way, the truth, and the life, but that guy already came? Because I'm glad that I don't have to be your answer. I'm glad that I get to be the first of equals, that I am one of you, that I am not the answer, that I'm just a means to the end, that he's the end, that all I have to be is the end for the end. End. That's good preaching, but I don't know if y'all are with me. Because Jesus will repay you. And if you go in thinking, well, I'm going to give 10, you better give me 20. You missed the point. I'm so excited that he'll let me give 10. And I know that the next time, watch this, I need to accomplish his purpose in me. Because I've opened my heart up and said, I don't know what this looks like because I don't even understand it all, but I'm going to do what you say and whatever's next, I'll do it. He's provided it already. I just go get it. Whew, there's a lot of preaching today. So he says, which of these three, Jesus looking at the Lord, which of these three do you think is the neighbor? To the one who fell around the robbers. And so the lawyer said what he should have said. You. <laughs> he said the Samaritan, the one that showed mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. Y'all listen. Here's what I believe people jack up about this story. And I want to take you backwards through it real quick. There's not one of you in this room. Y'all look this way. There's not one of you that are that are either currently on the road to Jericho, the valley of death, have just left it or are about to head into it. There's not one of you. There's not one of you. There's not a single person. I don't care how much Jesus you got this morning in your car worshiping, and I love it because I got after it with you. But that did, not, that did not get me out of walking the road that God called me on. Whenever we try to avoid the road that God put us on, we avoid purpose. Amen. We avoid destiny in him. So whenever we just try to avoid hardships and then we get, listen, listen, we get mad at God. How could you put me in this path? We forget what we are. 
We forget we're the royal priesthood and the holy nation, a peculiar people set apart for his purpose, not mine. We forget that God always purposes what takes place in our lives to shift us and move us to whatever he has, he has, he has next for us. And whenever I get selfish and internally focused that they aren't doing for me what I need them to, I watch, I miss my opportunity to be an in. Because he'll heal them if I'll just open up. I feel so much freedom in this message because here's what I'm telling y'all. It's not my job to fix you. It's not my job to heal you. It's not my job to do anything for you. Or for that matter, by the way, my neighbors, my friends, my family that don't know Jesus, it's not my job. And it's not your job. It's not your job to try to talk them into it. It's not your job to try to, to get angry with them because they don't understand. It's your job just to say, Spirit of God, if you move, I'll move. If you stay, I'm staying. But whatever you say, I'm putting my yes down. The reason we get frustrated doing this thing called Christianity is because we've made it about us. Are y'all with me? And we can say whatever we want to. But this thing is about us. All around the world today, people are praying about how many people will show up to a church building forgetting that there's billions of people around the world that need him. And we'll have 500-something people show up today, I would guess, based on the first service. Who knows? And it matters, y'all. It matters, and it's great. But y'all, that's not the point. This message isn't the point. Three weeks from now, y'all are going to remember this message. But if you can remember one thing, that'd be incredible. That God called you son or daughter, and his requirement for you is not to be good but to be open to his calling on your life. Now, let me tell you all something. God has a specific and unique calling for each person, but one thing remains the same. We're all his ends. And I just wonder this. I wonder with the picture of the end, how many Joseph and Marys, I wonder how many Joseph and Marys pass us every day. Listen to this. And we say, sorry, there's no room in the end. Because people are weird, y'all. I'm just putting them out right now. People are weird. People is crazy. Come on, talk to me. People are going to hurt you. So if you, if you lack trust in people, I'm with you. If you don't trust the church, I understand. I don't expect you to trust the church. You just have to trust one, and God will change your heart. But if we stay calloused as a people, based on what we've experienced in the past, based on what we've believed that the priest and the Levite has shown us, or based on any other man, because the best of men are men at the best, except for Jesus. But he was wounded for my transgressions and crushed for my iniquities. The chastisement that was put upon him brought us peace, and by his stripes I'm healed. He took everything that we'll ever have to pay for, and he took it on the cross. And then watch this. And then he said, it's finished. 
And so the finished work of Jesus is in you, planted in you. You never have to accomplish a thing on your own, which means that I can lock arms with you and we can change the whole world, but we have to be ends. Because I think what so many people think, and I've, I've heard this a million times, y'all, is I'd love to be a small group leader, but I don't know the Bible like you. That is not the requirement of a small group leader. The requirement of a small group leader is this. This is really complicated. Are you an in? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you trusted him as Lord? Because at that point, you can open your home up and say, listen, we ain't got it together. Like we fought yesterday, but we love each other and we are learning what it's like to walk with Jesus and we want you to walk with us. I believe it's smart sometimes to invite people to your home before you invite them to this house. But we got to have some people stand up and say, I'll be an in. I don't have all the answers, but, but I can ask some questions and I can love people and I can show them the in. That's what it means. And then I know there's some people in this room. And I'm not trying to be cliche, but I hope you hear my heart right now. That are not ends. You're out. Because it's not what you do, but it's what he did and what you've received in him that qualifies you, that makes you right in him. To those who receive him, he gives the right to be children of God. He calls the righteousness of God. And some of you need to say yes to Jesus right now. You need to say, you know what? I've been running, but I'm that person that's wandering on that path. And I need a safe place to come because I need a Samaritan that will save me. He's sitting on God's right hand today. But we're giving his message right now. He loves you. He knows where you've been and what you've done. And he chooses to pick you up put you on his horse take you to a safe place and let you find freedom in his name but the only way that your life can change is if you say I'll follow Jesus I'll follow him will you bow your heads I just need to know is there anybody in here that says that's me I need to follow Jesus I'm tired of wandering I'm on the road I'm on that valley of the shadow of death but I'm tired, I'm lonely, and I'm ready to follow him. I see your hand in the back. Sir, I saw your hand go up. Here's what I want y'all to do. Here's what I want y'all to do. I want y'all, if you got a worship guide, I want y'all to fill this out for me. I want you to fill this out for me. And on the back, it says, I'm following Jesus right here at the top. I'm accepting Christ as my Savior today. We're not coming to your house. We're not going to scare you. But we want to walk with you because this place is supposed to be an inn. Not a magic show. It's a place where you belong, where you mean something. It doesn't matter what the world says about you or your past. So, if you choose to say, Jesus, I follow you. I know what I've done, but I know what you died for. I choose to follow you today. I just want you to tear this off and fill it out. Check this box. And on the way out the door, there's orange boxes that we give our offering in. And I want you to just drop it in there. And we'll love you and we'll help you take your first steps with Jesus. 
When we close today, I'm going to tell y'all a couple other things that I'm excited about, but this is what I want y'all to do for the next couple minutes while we worship. I just want you to pray this prayer. God, what would you have me do in response to this message, in response to today? What would you have my wife and I do, my family do? How can we be an end where we live, work, and play? What would you have me do? God, we choose to be obedient and say yes to you in all we do. Lord, we are that church, not because we're relevant or cool, but because we know who the Samaritan is. We know it's not about all that we do. It's about all that you did. And so, God, we just lift our hands up to you and say thank you for being Jesus. Thank you for loving us first. We love you back. And now we lift up our hands and sing praises to your name, Lord. We will not be alone. We do life together because we need each other to strengthen each other, to point people to you and to remember you're the point. So Jesus, thank you for being who you are, for what you do, for what you've done and what you continue to do in our lives. And Jesus, we just celebrate you today. And we worship you right now. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Y'all stand with us.